Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard, and we are so excited today. And today we are hoping to have some conversation about the definition of family and kind of your role as a director, being able to help your staff. So today's content you would probably take and put into a staff meeting and or staff uh, workshop or staff workshop. And you may even want or need to do this with a third party facilitator. Like you may want somebody who comes in and facilitates the discussion for you. Yeah. I mean, and our thoughts about the need for this came out of actually our episode uh, in January about preparing for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that one um, because it kind of informs where we're coming from on this one. Absolutely. So, you know, depending on your age, your background, um, you know, where you come from, you may have a very, you may have been raised with a very traditional view of family, which is a, a mom and a dad and children and, you know, everybody's married. Um, depending on your background, you may have been exposed to other family combinations or divorce. Adoption, we, raised by grandma, you know, roommates. Absolutely. And it wasn't something that we saw every day. It wasn't a topic that was discussed. It wasn't something you saw on television. It wasn't something you saw in movies. And our culture has shifted and uh, we have every version of family. And so uh, depending on your program, uh, depending on your staff's background, uh, this may be a topic that hasn't really ever been discussed. And part of the reason that we encourage you as a staff to have this discussion outside of changing uh, media is the fact that we have some days that are coming up. Uh, we have Mother's Day and Father's Day and Grandparents' Day that historically, from a marketing standpoint in your program, were things that we always really encouraged child care centers to take advantage of. Uh, but not every child care center was uh, comfortable with all versions of that. And part of it's because we haven't actually just sat down and talked. So if you know you have families with different demographics um, in your program, you can ask them. The best thing in the world is to always ask. But Carrie, how would you as a director um, perhaps get started with this dialogue with your staff? I would probably start with saying, how many of you were raised from birth until 18 by a two-parent intact household who lived in the same house the entire time? And I think the chances are that very few, if any, people would raise their hands. Well, so even just on this call, I would raise my hand. Right. I would, would not. not. <laughs> right. Um, I went through, you know, both of my parents had two marriages. One parent had two divorces. Um, so, um, you know, if more than 50, if, you know, around 50% of marriages end in divorce, and the number of uh, children who are born outside of wedlock has increased significantly, I think the chances are pretty good. You're going to have less than 50% of your family, of your teachers who can raise their hand when you say, how many of you had this? 
<laughs> um, and then you can say, how many of you spent at least a month being living with a family member who was not one of your parents? And then you get another group of hands. So it's kind of a, without poking too much, you can start to get to, look, we even in, in our family of uh, caregivers have some variety here. Because, you know, I spent a couple months living with an aunt. Um, and I would have considered myself to have a pretty traditional family, but I did spend time living with an aunt. You spent summers with your grandparents as well as your parents. You know, so <laughs> even you who ha could have raised your hand to the first one would also raise your hand to the second one because you spent summers with your grandparents as well as your parents and your But uncle. what's really fun, but what's even more interesting is if you take that a generation below. So you and I both have kids that are more than old enough to be directors. They're in their yep. mid to late 20s. And your daughters could absolutely raise their hand to the first question where none of my children who are old enough to be a director could raise their hand. And so my three kids... All of them come from divorced families where yours do not. Um, mine have every version of the steps and halves and, and whatnots related to siblings and right. on both sides. And one of them currently lives in a very complex family structure with <laughs> half siblings, uh, a mother and a mother's ex-husband and I don't remember who all else and dogs and cats and people living together. Mom's, yeah, mom's <laughs> boyfriend, right. the boyfriend's daughter. Yeah, So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, that is a very complex living situation that works for them because the father can live with his minor children. I mean, and it seems really weird to people who don't live in it going, you guys are divorced. Why are you in the same household? But <laughs> by just yeah. asking some of these questions in a very non-confrontational way and asking some questions that have no cultural significance to them too, like how many of you were only children and how many of you had three or more siblings? Um, those kinds of questions mixed in with the ones that like, how many of you have a same sex couple in your extended family, you can get, um, people more comfortable because you're mixing in completely innocuous family questions with questions that may have some bias or some shame or other negative emotions tied to them. Well, the other thing that we need to remember when you're hosting this kind of a dialogue is also to preface some of the real basics, like kind of what happens in this conversation stays in this conversation. Yep. Um, it might even help to do a little introduction as part of the reason we're having this discussion, as A. Kate and Carrie told me to. Uh, <laughs> and second, My business coach told me to. My business the coach. <laughs> business coach. I love it. Um, the other component is to really think through, hey, we've got, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents' Day. We have these days coming up. And although you might view them as entirely Hallmark holidays, they might be days that some kids 
some parents, even some teachers and directors are used to doing certain things for. And so how do we change that, that dialogue? How do we prepare as professionals to be able to be comfortable with every version? And if we think we have families that aren't, what do we need to do as a program? So if you know that you've got some families that are definitely more traditional than others, and you know that you have some families that um, are very non-traditional, Carrie, as a director, does this mean that you don't do the standard invite you know, mom to breakfast, mom with muffins. I mean, how, how as a director, how would you advise them to deal with? Well, I called it by the day as opposed to dad or mom. So I would say we're having Mother's Day tea. We invite you to come and celebrate mothers and all they do for us. And that way you're not saying only the moms can come on Mother's Day tea, and for Father's Day lunch, the Father's Day lunch bunch, because I like rhyming, um, then it is come celebrate fathers and all they do for us. And, you know, part of what we do in the week leading up to it is we talk about what do mothers do for their children, both with people, but also with animals. And the same with um, Father's Day, um, because there, we've got penguins and we've got seahorses, if nothing else, as far as animals where the men play a very large caregiving role. Um, I think by helping the kids to see, we're not just celebrating my dad or my mom, we're celebrating all moms and all dads. So that's the way, that's my take on it. What What are some things that you've done, Kate? Well, one of the things that I've always struggled with, um, especially when you start calling things moms and dad days, is the, the kid that doesn't have a dad living with them or doesn't have a mom living with them. Or is being and raised by grandma. Yes, or um, an aunt, like you mentioned, or perhaps they're in an... A foster care setting or they're being raised by a sibling. I mean, there's all kinds of different versions. And so even that male female role starts to get a little dicey. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I come back to having conversations. And so uh, in one of the families that I've worked with a lot over the last 15 years, oh my Lord, Okay, Uh, (laughs) so sometimes when I realize how long it's been, it's it's a little frightening. but is always to ask the question. And in their household, they really do have one parent who definitely takes the more mothering role and is perfectly happy to embrace Mother's Day. Um, But I also know that not every same-sex family is in that situation. Not all grandparents are in that situation. And single parents Um, so we just have to be careful. I, like, I love the term we're celebrating Mother's Day tea and your family is invited. And so then at that point in time, you may even have to put fine print. This means single parents are welcome, you know, grandparents, you know, like let them know that everybody who is involved in raising this child is invited. Because again, there are some families who do get very put off by that. 
And if that's the case, you need to decide for your program if hosting a Mother's Day tea is even an appropriate thing. It may be that you do a teddy bear tea that's around Mother's Day and all the caregivers come with their teddy bears. Yep. I mean, and again, it's that having an open and honest relationship with your clients. Talk to them and say, in you know, March, you know, you don't wait until the week before Mother's Day or Father's Day to have this conversation. (laughs) You, you do it well in advance and you sit down and you're like, we're doing our planning for the upcoming months. And I want to make sure that we're respecting you and your caregiving role. Let's talk through Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents Day. And then shut your mouth. Ferme la bouche. Yeah, it is really, that is probably the most important part uh, of asking is the listening. Um, And then from listening, you may have to ask additional questions. Um, Everything from, well, how would you want that worded? Don't make the assumption. Don't ever, ever, ever make the assumption. Um, How would you want that worded? Um, How can we do this and not be offensive? Assume means you make an ass out of you and me. And um, although we are talking about this specifically related to the definition of families, you know, we can take this into a lot of those other specialty months, um, Indigenous People Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, African American, you know, I mean, we have, we celebrate something all the time. And again, don't make assumptions just based off of last names or skin colors or, Um, any of that kind of stuff, always ask. His last name is Shaw. He obviously must celebrate Diwali. We should do Diwali. No. (laughs) No. Yeah, And and just because their last name is Rivera, please do not assume that they know anything about Mexican heritage or Hispanic heritage or, you know, um, again, you don't know the backgrounds just because of the last name. Yep. We need to, again, because we did talk about all those different family structures, right? We talked about the adoptions and um, different versions of family. So if you were adopted into a Hispanic family and you've um, acquired their last name, um, but that is not your heritage, you need to be aware. Uh, Especially now that everybody seems to want to do some sort of Ancestry.com DNA (laughs) testing, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even when their Again. father was a genealogist. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So just make sure that you are asking, listening, and being um, culturally responsive. Because uh, in my experience, the best way to be culturally responsive and to incorporate culturally responsive teaching is to ask and listen. <laughs> Um, and you may have to ask multiple people because again, um, you know, Carrie and I come from, um, very much a lot of the same background, but there are definitely things that we do differently. Um, we do come from different religious backgrounds, but that's pretty much about it. Um, so there are things that you would definitely don't assume. Yeah. I mean, I, whenever people are saying, you know, what is your, um, ethnicity versus what is your culture? Those are so very different. And I always think of my friend Katie, who, you know, who looks like she walked out of a Viking painting. Like She is the palest person you've ever seen who is not an albino. 
and has blonde stick straight hair and is, you know, 5'10", 5'11". And she was raised by an Indian man. So she thinks of herself culturally as Indian and owns more saris than (laughs) several of my friends who are of Indian heritage. Um, Because if you ask her what her heritage is, she's like Northern European. If you ask her what her culture is, she says Indian and Sikh Indian in particular. And it's just really hard for people to see her as a Sikh. (laughs) Absolutely. And so, again, don't ever make assumptions when you see families come in. Especially little things like you only ever see maybe the dad do the drop off. Well, don't make the assumption that the that the mom is not involved, right? It could just be schedules. Yeah. If you only ever see the grandparents, I mean, I have a situation with my family uh, because again, I my kids have different last names than I did for a long time, and uh, my parents were involved in taking my kids to activities a lot. So there were times where people would would know um, my oldest son and they would know my middle son and they would know would know my father and they would know my mother, but they wouldn't realize that all of us were related to me. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it's definitely important to um, think, to ask, um, and especially there are going to be times of the year. And um, again, we started this conversation so that as you prep for those those family days, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents Day, uh, which is May, June, and September, um, we also want you to think through all of the cultural months, um, which also means cultural holidays, right? Because, you know, those all um, are kind of fall into there or even um, historical days that we celebrate um, in Texas. You know, Juneteenth is a day that uh, some places really kind of get you know, oh, excited man. about. I love a good Juneteenth celebration. The drum line <laughs> here in Austin is off the chain. It's or amazing. before 2020. Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't go last year. I don't know how it went. <laughs> and so, yeah, so... Um, you know, definitely think about, uh, again, taking a survey of your facility, going back and looking at some of your original registration forms. I mean, I loved Carrie's idea uh, that we shared uh, during the Valentine's Day episode where we talked about, um, you know, asking, are there other people who we could send things to? And again, didn't really relate to Valentine's Day, <laughs> um, but, it, you know, we spent spelled out things like grandparents, maybe Veterans Day. Do you have an uncle or an aunt or somebody? Um, And so that same kind of survey could be a great, um, you know, family cultural survey and, you know, ask families and then give families the option of putting names on there to contact for more information. They may even be interested in helping. I think we talked about this actually quite a bit, even over winter holidays, the winter holiday episode, um, when we talked about all the different you know, holidays you can celebrate in the month of December. So you might have families that want to come and share their culture with you during, you know, religious holidays or um, holy days and, you know, times of the year or times where those um, organ, those groups of people <laughs> are, rec- I'm like trying to figure out like the best way to word this. Well, but also, I mean, you might have people who, you know, you can say, because you have a good relationship you know, um, Angelica's 
class seems very confused that you're her grandma and she calls you mom. Would you be willing to come in for circle time and let the kids ask you questions? Um, Those kinds of things are a good, you know, can be very educational to the kids in the classroom and take a huge weight off the teacher's shoulders because the teachers can get really tired of answering these questions. Wait, so daddies can be the ones who cook all the time and it doesn't have to be mommies? My dad says that only mommies can cook dinner. Why, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things can drive a teacher up the wall. And if you can bring some of those parents in to answer some of those questions, it can be very helpful to your staff and morale. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, we hope that this helped prep you for uh, a staff meeting. Um, Or if you want to take it a little further, working this into a staff workshop, um, bringing in a third party expert to help facilitate the discussion, especially if you're concerned that it may get... um, Lively people's ethical, ethical (laughs) concerns or people's morality as far as right and wrong. Again, you have a better idea of your staff than we do. So um, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much. And be sure to share this with anyone you think it would be helpful for. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young, with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.